This is Seba, the Southern Fried Witch, and this is episode 39 of season 2. And I really wish I had not done seasons, (laughs) y'all. I'm looking at it, and we are getting awfully close to that 100 episode mark. I think we're 70-something. Yep, 75. So, I don't know how in the world I got here. (laughs) I don't remember. Wow, that's a lot of episodes. Okay. Well, y'all, I am feeling much better, and today I am truly feeling fall, autumn, the whole idea, and it has everything to do, I'm sure, with the way this weather has been this summer, just crippling heat, and again, (laughs) I'm podcasting in a room without AC, so you can hear me, and usually I'm not looking forward to fall at all, usually I'm a little sad about it, I mean, I'm a farmer. So that's one issue. Although I do have a little secret weapon up my sleeve for this fall, but I know what it means and I don't do well in the winter. I am very seasonal. I get so depressed when it gets really cold for a really long time. And that does happen even down here. Nothing like what happens up north, but it's still uncomfortable to my bones. But this year I'm really ready for that reprieve. You know, today I was thinking about starting to make my own incense and I did a little research and found out that, yeah, you can use sawdust and my partner is constantly out there grinding on wood in the fall because we have a wood burning stove that we utilize to keep our home warm. And just so y'all know, no, we do not buy firewood from felled forest or woods or any of that. We find the things that have been falling already around here, out here in the country. We're lucky. I don't know how many years we'll be that lucky. Um, We do have usually some trees that are dangerous and about to go down anyway out here on these country roads. Or a friend will say they've got an oak tree that, you know, it's been dying for a long time it's got to come down and that'll keep us warm all winter both outside and in anyway i've always had a whole lot of sawdust on the ground because of that and i'm gonna start making my own incense and one of the reasons i'm doing it well i've always really enjoyed doing things from my own homestead It's crazy addictive, y'all. It really is. But there are reasons. I'm not burning white sage anymore. I did a bit of a private podcast, a little audio for people over on Patreon about my real feelings about this and where I stand and why I've changed directions. But I'm just going to leave it over there with them. Patreon's become my safe place. So yeah, I, I don't want to outsource so much. It just sounded like a lot of fun to take all of our sawdust and utilize it in that way. But then again, I've always said that if you grow something, as you well know, if you're utilizing the things from your own land, that magic is a lot more intense. And I don't know, it just resonates better. So I'm thinking, wow, wouldn't that be neat, though, to create everything from here? I'm doing a little research, making sure I don't make a misstep. But gosh, we have the most delightful herbs out here. Might as well try it 
right? So that's one of the things we're doing. And that got me thinking about fall. Just the fact that there will be crackling fires outside and homegrown pumpkins and I make a real mean hot buttered rum that I take the batter and y'all need to remind me, I forget things, but I take the batter that didn't get used for that hot buttered rum and the next day I make these um, hot buttered rum blondies and I love to use hazelnuts with that. So all of that is starting to come at me and I'm feeling it and I know I'm feeling it early, but the light has shifted. We are in the end of summer and, and here we go. And like I said, normally that make me really sad. This year, well, I've done other things to augment the fact that, it, you know, winter usually gives me anxiety coming up right behind fall. But one of the things I'm doing is I'm going to grow uh, winter crops again. Where I live down here in the deep south, it is just almost impossible. And maybe I'm missing something or a variety of something, but almost doggone impossible, y'all to grow salad greens in the heat, like literally 98 degrees and almost the same humidity. They wither. They have a hard time in the summer, at least the ones I like to do. And so it's been several months of having to go to the store and get salad greens. And I'm really looking forward to that. So we're going to get right on that. Actually, I'm almost late. I think I'm about a weekend to August. So Need to get right on that, but we're going to put down our garlic. That's one of the things we're going to do probably in about two more weeks. I like to plant it in October and we're going to get our salad greens all ready to go in. I am once again going to try broccoli. Very difficult down here and beets. Very difficult. I'm sure other people are doing really well at it. Maybe it doesn't like me, but I'm going to try again. So we're going to fill up that hot tunnel in the space outside with all kinds of wonders and carrots. I'm thinking I'm going to put the carrots over there in the green bean line. And I think just thinking about a winter garden just helps, you know, it really helps. We did our first one by accident. I've always been a little bit afraid of them. But my son and I, when the pandemic started back in 2020, we just ran in there one time. I don't remember. I think it was around December. It was still fairly, you know, not frigid outside here, but it was getting there at night. And we just did long lines of (laughs) all kinds of wonderful salad greens and forgot about it and didn't go back in until I think it was like February. Didn't even think about it. You know, it's cold outside. Nobody thinks about gardening and went back in there and they were just huge, just huge heads of lettuces everywhere. So... I think I'm going to try that on purpose. Bring me a little joy. By the way, you can do this even if you don't have a big high tunnel. There are plants that are semi-hardy and then there are plants that are outright hardy. And if you have a frost cover, which you could get from like Amazon, they're not very expensive. And I've been, I guess, recycling mine now for three years. I take good care of them and put them up and bring them back out when I need them. And if it's going to get under 30, I'll go ahead and throw it over my little lines of salad and such. And and they do fine. They do absolutely just fine. And you could do that in a raised bed. You could do that right in ground if you wanted just to dig up a line. And I've even grown salad. This is uh, strange, I know. In pots, y'all. I have. It's a lot of fun. (laughs) 
And they make such a pretty hanging basket. Just different, colorful Sally Greens. You should try that sometime. And it's all hit or miss. I mean, farming is all about making mistakes. Gardening is all about making mistakes. We could read every book in the world and still, until you try it yourself, you don't know what's going to work for you. So yeah, two ideas I'm already working on. Making my own incense and growing my own greens. And that has given me a lot of comfort. That and I'm sorry that I'm so lame as to say it, but I'm going to be lame. Hocus Pocus 2 is coming out and I can't wait to see it. Just bringing all those old vibes up of when I was young and when Halloween was so much fun, you know. We celebrate Samhain separately. I just find it to be such an important holiday as a witch that I do separate it. However, there is nothing like a good, raucous Halloween party far as I'm concerned and that sounds like fun this year but I'll have my ass all boosted up in time for that and I feel like partying and you know it might seem strange that I feel like doing that when the veil is getting so thin have y'all noticed that that it seems to be getting thin I think a little earlier than usual it's really playing hell with my uh, sleep patterns but I don't think it's my imagination I have to wonder if that veil isn't as just affected as the rest of us and the growing seasons and the patterns that have shifted quite a bit. I have to wonder if it doesn't also affect that realm in some way, or at least our interpretation and I suppose access to that realm. That's something I need to do some research on and think out a little bit more, but it won't stop playing around in my mind. Either way, Feels like it's getting thin early to me. I have a lot more activity. (laughs) One of the things that has always shown up when someone's trying to talk to me, and usually it's um, someone very dear. I'm going to leave their name out, but someone very dear to my life. I will get a buzzing sensation in like my limbs, for lack of a better way to put it. Literally feels like, um, well, it's electrical, like a pulse. And it's almost as if my cell phone is on vibrate, but it's happening inside of me. (laughs) Don't worry, I've been checked out by a doctor. There is no reason, rhyme or reason at all, for what's happening other than, well, that little electrical pulse that happens. And, you know, there's some truth in all of that stuff. You know, I talked about it, oh, I don't know, I guess 15 episodes ago or so about how, you know, how to interpret signs and sometimes a snake is just a snake until there's something else going on along with it or the persistence of it is just unexplainable. As a witch, I don't push it so far, meaning I don't just say, well, all of this can be explained over and over and over again. However, I do look for patterns. And I've trained my uh, lack of a better way to put it, spidey senses, to the place where I can well ascertain whether or not it's something from another side of this uh, little life we're living. And the buzzing is one of those things. But also there's truth in the lights flickering in your home to a certain extent. Now, I mean, 
you could have an electrical issue you need to check out. You know, there could be a storm coming, but when they flicker only in certain regions of your home and you have assured that it is not an electrical issue, which I have, you know, Stranger Things gets so much of this right, kind of creepy, but there's so much truth in it. But yeah, there is usually some high level of vibration. When I was living in the house that I lived in before, I don't know if I've ever told you this little, I guess, ghosty story, but hey, I'm feeling the need to talk about fall and I'm bringing it in. I'm ready for it this year. And we lived in this house that was very, very old indeed. In fact, it had been built upon a sidewalk that had been one of the first settlements in that town. And we only lived there for a few years. And this particular spirit, I suppose, I never wanted to do too much investigation of it. Uh, There were reasons for that. But this particular one was somewhat malevolent um, towards all of the men in my home, which was everyone in my home. I mean, when we would have female visitors, friends of mine come over, it didn't injure them or scare them or any of that. Nothing of that ilk. It was only the men. And, you know, it was me too, but it it just had a different feeling to it. So here are some of the things that would happen over there. The most notable activity I'm going to save for last because it was absolutely mind-blowing. And if I had not had a partner that saw it too, I would think I'd gone insane. The lights. Uh, The lights wouldn't just flicker. (laughs) The, The switch itself would cut on and off in front of you. Not all the time, only if it were past a certain time at night. And I've actually stood in front of that light switch all those years ago and watched it happen at the same time every night. I believe it was around 10. And I have gotten irritated with that spirit before. Be very careful getting irritated, by the way, with a spirit because they don't like that so much, you know. Ghost hunters can sometimes will antagonize something and they don't know what they're doing. So be very careful with that. What I did was I just got in the habit of accepting that that spirit wanted the lot turned off. It was a certain time of night and it was done. So when my partner and I got married and he moved into the house, everything shifted. It was as if spirit or ghost or whatever it was going on in that home suddenly wanted the light in the bathroom on every single night. And it felt belligerent. You know how you can kind of feel the antagonism in the air if something's unhappy? It was a different behavior than had happened before. And you could feel that irritation. (laughs) And they got into it. He, we were trying to sleep and the light flicked on in the bathroom and the door opened And that light was just flooding underneath our bedroom door. We were right by it. So he got up, he cut it off, closed the door back. This went on for about 15 minutes. And he finally got really angry with it and yelled, uh, you know, I think something like fucking cut it out or something like that and turned it off again. And right in front of him, it flicked right back up. Now, my partner was very young at the time, 27 years old. I was 42, and I did warn him that this was not a great idea. And I did try to talk him out of it because it got worse. So there were other things that were happening as well. One night when I had my friend over, a female, 
we had been talking about this spirit in the house and I was saying that I wasn't going to jump and believe anything until I saw absolute evidence that that was what was going on. And we were in the kitchen as I was talking and we walked out of the kitchen to go outside to have a glass of wine and I forgot something and I turned around to walk back to the kitchen and every cabinet door was open and every drawer was open. And so um, I believed it. (laughs) There wasn't much else I could do. When I would get angry in the house for any reason at all, there would be things that would fly off the shelves almost as if I was doing it. So for a long time, I thought I was doing it. However, sometimes I have to wonder if that spirit wasn't angry for me or wanted me to stop. If I raised my voice in any way, something would go flying across the room and break. Of course, there is some conversation to be had here. I did speak to someone about this, um, a very qualified medium that I've known since I was a little girl who said that, you know, there were shared energy moments going on and that's, you know, more probable. And I don't want to just tell ghost stories all night. There's a reason for why I'm talking about this. I I will go to the very last issue, just jump ahead and not tell y'all all the other fun stuff, but. Many nights, my partner and I would be trying to sleep and the television would suddenly cut on. Nothing else in the entire house, just the television in our bedroom, which would wake us up. And it would come on the strangest stations. It would come on Ghost Hunters and other scary movies like that. And we would cut it off. And my partner got in quite the war with it there too. And I finally just said, look, you know, okay. We'll cut the sound all the way down and let the television stay on. It was very evident to me that my partner wasn't very welcome in this home. And so we got quite used to the television just staying on 24-7, no problem. I wanted to sleep. I didn't want to anger anything anymore. But then my husband got really irritated with it and unplugged the television one night. And we went to sleep. And I know what you think I'm going to say. It wasn't the television. It was this treadmill I had in my bedroom came on and started running. It just started going as if somebody was on the treadmill. And so we unplugged the treadmill. And I kid you not, believe me or don't, the treadmill came back on, unplugged from the wall. We moved out about, I think it was only two months later, started looking almost immediately for another place to live. It just felt so hostile. And some things you don't want to battle, you don't even want to try to remove. And since it was a rental, we did what we needed to do. Those are some of the most obvious ways to know that something is in your home. (laughs) And uh, trying to reach out, whether it be of a good nature or not. Uh, My grandma, when she wants to get a hold of me, she tends to call me on the telephone in my sleep and wake me up, and it's only as I wake up that I hear her voice. There have been several incidents in which my grandchild has apparently met my grandma, especially when she was very little. She's almost two now. She was born in October. Shocking. Her due date was actually October 31st, but they had to uh, take the baby early, but I thought that was fairly telling. Little witch baby. But one night I was holding her uh, babysitting, It was actually not night. It was evening either way. And I was holding her and I was just overwhelmed with love for her, my very first grandchild. And I just sort of said out loud, Grandma, look. 
you know, I was my grandma's favorite and I just kept on thinking how important this baby would be to her. So I said, look, look how beautiful, look how beautiful. And my grandchild had been falling asleep, had her eyes closed and suddenly she jerked up and turned her head to the door and pointed at literally nothing standing in the door and giggled and then laid her head back down. And it just, I knew, I knew I had chills all over me. I do right now. I felt grandma in the room. She came to look like I asked her to, you know, we've been so trained out of believing in these things. Even witches sometimes have a hard time walking on that water. But there's some things you just can't argue with. And in this case, I don't want to. Because the veil is getting thin and there are so many people I want to talk to and not just people. In my lifetime, I have saved lots of dogs and lots of kitty cats and lots of chickens that have become extraordinarily important to me. Some of them familiars and some of them just family. And at the very beginning of the pandemic, I lost my beloved dog Gatsby, as you all well remember, nearly killed me. I lost my beloved Elvis. I lost my Bocephus. I lost my Sappho. I lost my Isis. I lost oh so many this past year. Maggie, Maggie May. And it looks like I'm going to be losing my khaki girl fairly soon. And sometimes I feel them coming back, trying to speak with me or be with me. And sometimes I don't. Now, everybody has their own understanding of what happens or at least what they think happens after death. I think it's really fucking complicated. Okay. I think sometimes our animals do stay like people. They stay. They want to guard over us. And time is just a blink in that dimension. So it's not that big of a deal. It's not like they're suffering, but they just stay on to protect, to guard or In some cases, I believe even to wait for us so that they can put their little paw in our hand as we walk on. And sometimes, now y'all believe what you want to believe. You're going to think I'm truly fruity now, but that's okay. You should have already figured that out by season one. Sometimes I reckon they uh, move on. Where they move on, I'm never quite sure, but I do believe animals can be reincarnated. And sometimes maybe they just turn into a tree. Who knows? But. I know that I have been revisited by some of my dear beloved pets. I hate to call them pets, okay? I wish they could all be called familiar, so... Anyway, after my Sappho died, I could hear her running through the house at night. And the other animals did too, and they would look and kind of get shocked for a second, but they didn't hiss and they didn't run. It was almost as if, oh yeah, well there's, you know, our sister. Gatsby was a little bit more forthright about his haunting. (laughs) I would say extraordinarily late at night. I could see he slept by the foot of the bed and uh, I would be shocked to see a black shadow walking back and forth at the end of the bed. I felt his paws press on me, not asleep yet. And I know it was him. It even smelled like him. I smelled puppy breath one time. And this is, you know, a year or two after his passing. I haven't felt him for a while. And I hope that means he's a puppy dog somewhere or whatever the hell he wanted to be. Because he was the best damn dog that ever lived. 
But what this time of year really makes me want to do is honor them and connect with them if they are still here. Luckily, very luckily, we have a tiny piece of land. And on that tiny piece of land, I have started a very unscary, well, at least to me, pet cemetery. I mean, and in that pet cemetery, there's even a chicken. So I hope they're working it out in their afterlife. But my son sources these large rocks and creates quite a mound over them. And we have some stone gargoyles that I have enlisted the aid of to guard. When my pets first pass away and I have to take them outside, I do a candle lighting every single night for at least the first seven nights. Just to keep their soul lit, know where they are, where their new place is in the world, kind of ease them into that transition as much as possible. Usually go outside every night and talk to them and tell them it's going to be okay. I hope you're not frightened. I sing to them. I remind them where my bedroom window is and how far away I am if they need me. I tell them that if they're not ready to move on, come sleep at the end of my bed. It's fine. That they are more than bones and they will always live in my heart. And I do this because it helps me too. And after that seven days, I try to let myself let go a little bit. And that's to make sure that if I, well, if I'm too heartbroken, I might try to cling on to their spirit. And I feel like that's not fair. That's not fair. If they need to go, they need to go. And I want them to choose. I don't do any rituals that would call them forth from wherever they are. I'm not into necromancy. And I think it's just horrifying, you know, if they were peaceful somewhere or happy somewhere and I'm dredging them back up. I'm not into it. But I do go and just hold space and I'll even talk to them. You know, I just won't do anything to call them to where I am. If they're still there, they'll hear me. And if not, I feel better. But on Samhain, we now have so many of our beloveds over there in that particular cemetery. I am going to light a candle and I am going to start fairly soon in October and do it every single night all the way up to um, November 1st, which is a very important day for souls and the dead. And I want to honor them that day too. I don't know that we always think about our beloved pets at this time of year. I don't, I think we think about ancestors and not just our dead. I think a lot of people are afraid to talk about the dead, even witches sometimes just not really afraid, just maybe resistant. And I've always been a little different. You know, when my dad died and everyone removed all of his photos from the room, immediately all of his clothes from the closet, I mean immediately, within days, gutted out his office and just got rid of every single thing that could have anything to do with him. I did not do that. I did not. I left his photo up. I brought up his name almost every day. And still, every friend I've made in the last 20 years, he's been gone that long now, feels like yesterday. They all know stories about him. They all know him. What is remembered lives. And I remember him. So I say his name. I'm not going to do it here because it feels um, disrespectful to him. But I do the same thing for my Gatsby. I do the same thing for my friends who've passed. I say their name. I honor them. And sometimes 
when I do that. That's when the signs come. Sometimes. You know, it's more of a gentle process for me. If I'm honoring their name and I'm saying it out loud and the lights start flicking on and off or a door slings open or something comes flying off the shelf, they're doing the very best they can to say, I hear you. I'm still here. Or I came back to say, I love you. So it's a lot of faith that we have to have. Even as witches, there's a lot of faith that we need to invest in believing in our dead. This sounds so crazy, but I think it's part of living to honor the dead and to, I don't know, have them still in our lives. I know that if I were a spirit, stuck or not, and no one said my name, (laughs) that I'd love so much the people that I'd given so much of my joy and, and heart to, and no one said my name, I would feel as if I didn't matter. And that's the last thing I want. My dad, my beautiful dog, um, my even my chicken. It's the last thing I want them to feel. So if it is silly, it makes me feel better. And I'm sure that if I am right, that their spirits live on somewhere in some form, maybe they appreciate it. You know, sometimes we need to think ahead a little bit. And that's why I wanted to talk about it today. I don't want to wait till October 31st and rush around trying to find a food bowl, that little snippet of hair, the photos. It seems to me I need to be preparing for it. Much like my garden. Sounds silly, but much like my winter garden, I'm almost too late for that. And I've put it on my schedule this week. Whatever I'm going to be growing over winter, I got to get on that shit, man, because they got to get started now. And honoring the dead, which I try to do on a regular basis, actually. But this is a very big day. I want it to be a big day. I want it to be, or a big night. I want to be prepared for that. Start thinking of them now. And perhaps whoever is still around will hear that. And also be ready to come see me that night. But also as witches, by the way. We can't ask to see things or want to see things and then be afraid to see them. I know a lot of people who have done that have said, I want to talk to you if you're still here. And then something happens and they run in terror. That's yikes. Uh Uh-uh. Be sure you want to do it. (laughs) Be real sure. But on that night, my little coven and I, and we are small, we will go out there and we will tell the stories of our dead. Each one of us, one by one, and then go light a candle. And it's a very simple, sweet thing to do. But another thing we do is, uh, well, I do is write down what I want to say to them and burn it in the fire to release it and let it get to where it needs to be. And it feels really good to do so. Because one day we're all going to be an echo to everything I'm doing right now. Every time I walk across my land. Every time I visit the grave of something I adored and loved with all of my heart, something that brought me someone who brought me magic, I have to remember that one day those footsteps are going to be an echo and going to be like them. And in a lot of ways, it's a walk with death, but it's one that doesn't scare me. It's one that actually makes me more peaceful. And be more cognizant of everything I'm doing right now here on this planet. I don't want these things to 
reverberate in a way that was not meaningful. Anyway, I hope y'all don't think that's morbid. It doesn't feel morbid to me. As the sting of death goes farther and farther away from the experience I'm having with my dead now, I think they're teaching me how to live, while they're also probably teaching me how to die. And to me, that's magical. It's comforting. It really is. Hopefully, we're all thinking through what we're going to be doing for our ancestors and our beloved dead, because the time is getting short. I wanted to go ahead and thank my new patrons. Well, they're not mine. They're patrons of the podcast. And these are Carol, Wendy, Cody, and Daughter of Oak. Thank you so much. You were helping us get to a place that's going to allow me to do more content. And hopefully, at least by the turn of the year, I will be able to quit one of those mindless jobs and give a lot more to this podcast. That's what I want to do. And I want to write more books, but this is helping it happen right now. This is also helping us just pay for everything. And without you, I couldn't make it at all. Thank y'all. Thank you so much. And do write in if you want me to talk about something in particular as we wind into fall. You know, I can't always do that. Sometimes it won't fit in or maybe I don't know enough on a subject and I'm not going to speak to something I don't know very much about, but I always will appreciate it. And on that last note, someone did write in and they were suffering quite a bit and I wanted to talk about it just briefly. Let me just read part of her letter. Y'all, the next letter is going to be from a grieving mom. Also, there's going to be a brief discussion that revolves around the idea of taking someone's life, which is not the case with this woman's son. And I don't want you to go through anything you're not ready to go through. So if you want to go ahead and stop the podcast here, it's probably safest to do so. Just wanted to give you a heads up. Okay? All right, here we go. And it says, I hope this email finds you well. I'm just finding your podcast. Isn't it funny that I would happen upon your podcast during the darkest season of my life? Every time you call out for your listeners to send you an email, I thought, maybe I should send one in to tell her about the impact she's making. So tonight after work, I came out to my garden and buried my feet in the dirt. I still have no idea what to say. Only thought I've had is, I need to make sure to contain my crazy and not let it all out at once. Girl, we're witches. And then she says, so I spoke too soon. Now I do not consider myself a witch at all, although I've studied Wicca along with many other religions. That needing to know is the sum of my nature. I would more closely consider myself Christopagan, though I've lived as an atheist much of my life. My Southern Baptist husband calls me his white witch and I laugh at him. I've always felt I had certain gifts. My youngest son was gifted also. This month is one year since my beautiful boy Tucker ran ahead of us to the afterlife, much the same as he always ran ahead of us in this life. He was only 15. That blonde-haired, blue-eyed boy seems to have taken most of me with him. To have him and his big personality here with us one moment and gone the next is more than I can stand. He was suddenly and tragically taken from us, my mama's boy, the last little person I was to finish raising. I am built from trauma. I always considered myself a warrior. I took on every obstacle in my life and overcame things I won't speak of now. 
Sometimes my overcoming was simply out of spite. Where I come from gave me something to rage against. I beat the odds with a smile. My kids are my happy ending. They made everything okay for me. I have the joy of having had my Tucker here for 15 years. I have the joy of all the trips took, the memories made, and all the slow rides home to listen to just one more song. I've had the joy of his brother and sister who are 19 and 20. I also live with a pain I cannot describe in words. My heart and spirit are forever broken. I miss him more with each day that passes. A great piece of me has been ripped away like a terrible back alley amputation. I was built to survive anything and everything but this. I told you all of this to let you know where your podcast found me. I'm in hell. I spend my days caring for others, sending healing energy into my patients that the medications we give them don't provide. Honey, you're an angel, okay? Just want to stop and say that. I give love and compassion to those facing terrible odds. He was always so proud of me, my strong and spiritual little boy. He was quickly becoming a man. He loved and trusted Jesus from the time he came into the world. He also loved the moon and his crystals. He had a love and connection to the earth and the people that is rarely found. His light still shines so brightly. His strong connection with the spiritual world helps him to bridge that divide now. The veil is much thinner than I previously thought. Or it's that way because of him. I'm going to have to say some hard words, y'all. So I want to give her honor. And to do that, I have to say some hard words. And so I'm putting a disclaimer and a trigger warning at the beginning of this podcast. But if you've accidentally come in halfway, perhaps now you should just give it a break if you don't want to hear about um, some of the traumas of ending a life. Okay? Okay, I'm going to start again then. To hear you speak so honestly of your suicidal moments helped me to not feel so alone. I have it all planned out too, but I hope to still be around for a while. I would miss the colors as well, the blue of my children's eyes and the sound of their laughter. I thought of writing notes for their different life milestones to be open through the years after I go. I thought of the notes I'd write for when they had their first child. I realized that I have to be here for that. They'll need me. I can't miss it. I can't leave them with the pain of losing our family's baby and compound it as well. I feel sure that the day will come, but it's not right now. Your stories about your oak tree were a blessing to my heart and spirit. I loved hearing about new life that sprouts from things previously thought dead, like me. I laughed about that. I hope that comes through as lighthearted and humorous as I intended. It was also so nice to hear about the beautiful things that come from death. I do almost anything for things to be different. I find the beauty in bits and pieces for now, only because I don't have a choice. It was never supposed to be this way. This was never supposed to be his story. He deserves so much better than this. And then she says a lot of very nice things about me and my podcast, but I'm not great at taking compliments, so we're going to skip it. Thank you, honey. And then let's see where to pick up. You are giving the gifts that you can to help people along the way in this crazy life. I'm so grateful for your company right now. I had to write in and let you know. I've listened to many episodes now and look forward to the rest of them. To hear you talk of grief and healing is comforting for me. 
I give you permission for you to share any of my words that you would like to. I am known by those close to me as Layla. You are welcome to use that name as well. It was important to me to share Tucker's name with you and tell you about him. It will be a blessing to hear you refer to him by name if you choose to. And then she attaches a bunch of gorgeous pictures. Uh, One of them says the grainy overexposed one was taken on an old disposable camera just a couple hours before he left. You can see his big smile. And then she thanks me for all these words during a terrible time. And so thank you so much for sharing your story and telling us all how hard it is to keep moving your feet and the reasons that you're doing so. You know, you're so exquisitely alive in this moment of your grief that it kind of brings me to tears. But what I want to do right now is honor Tucker. These pictures of him, he's beautiful. You're right. He is absolutely beautiful. Today, I honor Tucker. May his spirit be where it wants to be. May he be at peace. You know, it's usually the children who carry us moms and dads and aunties and uncles and grandparents in their hearts long after we've passed and we shine through their eyes we stay alive that way in this case he's very much alive in you thank you for sharing him today and i'm so grateful that i'm doing anything that would bring comfort i'm sorry you're in hell i'm sending you back everything i can every bit of love i can and as far as i'm concerned you are still a warrior if you got up this morning and you were breathing in and breathing out, you're a warrior. And you're a warrior for him. So, blessed be, my dear friend. I do believe in magic, and I believe in the way it can heal you. And I think Krista Pagans are awesome, honey. I think they're awesome. However you are finding magic and your spirit, however you're experiencing this life, and all the wonders in it, that, to me, is gorgeous. Why would you want to fit in a box? Your spirituality is just as unique and individual and beautiful as you. So be whoever you want to be. I'm honored to have met you and I'm honored that you're listening. And I want you to know that I was actually working on this episode about honoring our our past and the people that we love and when I broke into this email. And it was just um, either the best timing in the world or the worst. So... I hope it was the best. Let me know. And Layla, sometimes I still get dark, you know, sometimes my grief from the past and other things get too much. I know what you mean about looking into the eyes of your children and saying, I got to stay. And sometimes, you know, it feels like a very long road. I get that. But I wanted to tell you something. I'm starting to feel that way again, just a little around the edges. And you gave me some strength today. You made me want to stay. That's what you did today. So thank you. And thank you, Tucker. I want to be around. I want to see my grandchild grow. I want to know what it's like to get very old, if that's possible. (laughs) And I don't want to miss my oak tree. And I don't want to miss the sunsets. And I needed to hear that other people go through these moments. And so, if you found strength in me today, I just wanted you to know that your story gave me the same. Just to know there's a sister out there who woke up today and decided to live on purpose. Blessed be, my dear. All right. I love all y'all. 
Let's get ready for Samhain. We need those bonfires and that hot butter rum, don't we, babies? Yes, bad children, we do. And it's headed right for us. So hang on. Love y'all like chickens. Talk to you soon. Blessed be. Y'all have been listening to the Southern Fried Witch Podcast. Come back around next week for a little bit more magic from the Deep South.